One of the seeds fell on a good soil where it produced a crop. A hundred, sixty, or thirty times even what was sown. Let him or her who has ears, let them hear. If you have ears this morning, listen. How many of you got, anybody get a seed when they came in this morning? Let's see one of those. Anybody have one? Did anybody not eat theirs? Who has one? Can I see yours? Man, each of us have been given a seed, a bit of life. And last week, what did we talk about? Remember what we talked about? We talked about how God says that the, the way that he made this seed is that in, in order for God to show up and to do something with this seed, it has to die. And it has to be buried, and just like we saw, it, it has to die. And God can do amazing things when we're willing to sacrifice and lay down our life and say, okay, God, I'm yours. Take me, use me. Thank you. Take me, use me. And so today we, we're kind of going on from there. And what happens when we're willing to lay down our life and to say, okay, God, here I am. What, what happens when we're willing to say, God, take me and use me and, and I'm going to trust you even though it looks like there's dark before there's light, even though it looks like there's, there's death before there's life, even though I'm, I'm afraid of what's ahead. What is, what is God able to do with that? And Each of us have a seed. Today we're talking about multiplying and how when you and I are faithful and, and we see God calling us forward, when you and I are faithful and we just live life, the life that God's given us to live, when we live, he takes it and he can multiply it. And we're faithful to do what he called us to do and then, and then he can multiply it so far beyond what we're capable of doing. And he wants to do that in his kingdom. In fact, it's his idea and his design. When you and I think about reproduction and multiplication, what's the first thing that typically comes to mind? (laughs) Yeah. Sex and having kids. Because life is just, life multiplies. This is my little man. My my dad thinks it looks like my little girl. But... uh, this is my little man, Parker. Can you say hello? Hi. And, uh, and Parker is our last of four boys. He is our, he's our last one, and I'm saying that definitely. And, uh, and, so, and that's why the long hair, because we just can't bear to cut that beautiful... You know that baby hair? Moms, have you ever, have you ever cut that baby hair? And it's never the same again. You know, after you cut it that first time, it's never quite that, that fine. Am I the, are we the only ones? Okay. And anyways, so, uh, so Parker is almost three, and this stuff has never really been cut. So anyways, so when we think about multiplication, typically this is what we think about. We think about if, if two people fall in love, and get married, um, if a man and wife, they, they get married, and if, you know, you're pretty much healthy, eventually, unless you're taking measures not to, eventually you're going to what? 
you're going to reproduce, right? It just is the natural, it's just the natural way life goes. And, and that's not to say that there aren't some of us who struggle with that process and, and some of us have to work really hard, even though it's fun work, work really hard to make that happen. Um, and there's, there's pain and emotion with that. But, but just the normal process of life is that if two people get together, they're going to reproduce life. In fact, I don't have, I don't have a spouse picked out for this guy. Um, but my, my normal expectation is that my boys will probably grow up and eventually they'll probably get married. And, you know, unless they make a specific choice not to, they'll probably, they'll probably reproduce, right? And, and you know what? The more and more my kids grow the more I realize that not just my physical life, but my character life gets reproduced into my kids. Do you know what I'm talking about? Sometimes the stuff that I like, and sometimes the stuff that I don't like. Well, a lot of times the stuff I don't like. You know what I mean? You can see it you can, because, because we reproduce what we are. Does that make sense? And so life is just by design, life by design reproduces itself. Right, kiddo? All right. Can I have a squish? All right. Thanks for coming. He's got to go be with his girlfriend. His his nursery teacher is his girlfriend in his mind, and so he's got to go spend time with her. Um, Life just kind of reproduces, and that's the way God made it. In fact, in Genesis, right from the start, you find that God designed life to reproduce, okay? So if you turn to Genesis, or you can follow along on the screens, um, it says about men, this is, it says that God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Right from the start, people, before sin, before the fall, before, um, before Judaism, right from the garden, people from God, this is what God called Adam and Eve to do. He said, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish and the sea, birds of the air, over every living creature that moves on the ground. And before, God said that he made animals, all the animals, with two different kinds, a male and a female, and, and that they were to do the same thing. In fact, if you go forward to like chapter 7 and chapter 8, you'll find that the world became so wicked that what did God do? God said, man, I wish I never made this people in this place. And so what he did is he sent a flood to destroy everything. Okay, and, uh, and if you've never read it, read it. And God sent a flood to destroy everything, but he kept one guy and his family, Noah, who was righteous. And, and when they got off the boat, first of all, what went into the boat? What went into the boat was two animals of every kind, so that when they got off the boat, they could reproduce and repopulate and replenish the earth, right? That's the way God made us. God made us to reproduce life. Anything that's alive... Okay? Unless there's something that, that doesn't function with it, anything that's alive reproduces life. It's just the way God made it. In fact, if you even step back from where we are in time, a couple hundred years, and you, you just go backwards in time, all of human history, all of human history up until a couple hundred years ago, all of us would understand very well just about reproduction. We're most of us don't have animals, we don't have horses, we don't have cows. We, do you know what I mean? But, but up until a couple hundred years ago, even if you worked in a job, you still had a farm. You still grew a lot of your own food. You still had to, 
to take some of the tomatoes at the end of the summer and let the seeds dry out so that you could what? So that you could plant the next year. Do you know you can, you can have a whole harvest of tomatoes, a whole harvest of them. How many of you like ripe tomatoes? Yeah, you can have a whole harvest of them and keep a couple of them at the end of the season that, that really weren't all that great for eating anyways. And they can plant your whole crop the next year. Do you know that? The thing is, we don't know that. But, but life is meant to reproduce that way. And I love that video. I love the line. I had to learn that life was more than just about me. That the end game, the end goal of your life and my life isn't just for us to have a good existence. That, that the story, the plot, is bigger than you and me. Think about all of your family and your friends that you love dearly. Think about them. Start to think about their names and their faces. Some of you need to close your eyes to think about their faces. What are some of the things that they need? What are the needs in their life? If you're a believer in Jesus and you have, you have the life of God in you, and, and you, want, you want things for the people that you love, all of us, everywhere in the world, we want good things for the people that we love, don't we? Absolutely. And if, if, uh, if, you have, if you have a nephew who is really sick and who is dying, what do you want more than anything for that nephew? You want health and you want life, right? And if you're a believer that, that has life and you look around at your friends and, and you just see the despair of a life lived without Jesus, what do you want for him? You want him to have life and peace. You want him to know the joy of walking with Jesus. You want him to have the joy of... And there's people all over, lost. No idea. They think that if I be good enough, if I be religious enough, if I be successful enough, if I... And the list goes on. If I only do this, then, then I'll somehow find what's right in life. And you, having, having life, having eternal life, having God in you, you know... And you want that for them. And you say, God, how, how can I reproduce this life that you have in me into them? Well, the truth is, if you and I have life, and we're going to see this today, if you and I have the life of Christ in us, it, it just by design, it should reproduce. It, it should go out to other people. Not in a control and conquer way, but in an organic kind of, this is something amazing and I want you to have it. How many of you were at the men's retreat, guys? A few of you guys at the men's retreat? Yeah. Man, a great day. A lot of us said it felt like we were like latched onto a fire hose. You know, just about good, good, good stuff from the word about how God made us. And it was a good time to be together. And Shania Twain showed up. And man, and uh, it, Friday night was amazing. And, um, and there was a lot of good food. And... I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I'm thinking about Shania Twain's number there. Um, <laughs> ladies, you'll have to hear the real deal on that from, uh, from somebody. Um, do you know, this weekend happened because somebody's life got significantly impacted by Scott, who came and taught us. Um, Alan Eckstein was with Scott a few years ago and just said, man, this... This guy brought some reality to me from God's word that I never knew before. There was stuff in my life that I didn't know. And God used this guy 
to help me understand why I react this way and why I've done this for my whole life. And because of the change that God did through Scott into Alan, Alan just said, man, I, I wish that more guys could have a chance to hear some of the stuff that I've heard. And, and it multiplied into over 250 guys this weekend. And some of those thoughts are rolling around in our heads. And God, how, how do you want to use this to change me? Um, one guy saying, this was useful to me, and, and, and I want other guys to have it, and made it happen. He multiplied that into some other guys. So today we're talking about life multiplying, and, and it really is. And here's, here's the thing that I wrestled with, to be honest with you. Because we can talk about multiplication, we can talk about math. Some of you guys are with, good with numbers, and you understand how numbers work, and how money works, and how compounding works. Do you, know, do you understand what I'm talking about? And we could just play a numbers game, and, and we will talk a little bit just about how multiplication is amazing. It really is. But, but here's the thing, is it's not just about multiplication in this big kind of way because the truth is I, I can't multiply, okay? When, when Crystal and I are together, there's, there's nothing really that I can do. I mean, we can enjoy being with each other, but, but God's the one who created our kids. That's nothing that we did. God's, uh, that seed, when it falls into the ground, it, I mean, it's just being itself. You know, it, it's just saying, okay, God, and letting go. Okay, that's what that seed it lets go and it feels like it's dying and it feels like life is going away and, I, and it feels like I'm out of control and, and it feels dark and, and all of a sudden, somehow out of that death, God creates life. And that's, God's the only one that can multiply and take that and not just, not just bring it back to life for itself, but multiply it literally into thousands and thousands compounding of lives. And so for you and I, when God said in Genesis to, to multiply and to fill the earth, really, he says, just go about life and, and just reproduce. Just let your life flow out into others. And so as we reproduce, which really can only be one or two at a time, it, it can't be this huge, big thing. But as I do that, as I'm faithful to what God called me to do, he's going to multiply it. He's the one who takes the soil and the dark and the damp and, and he roots it and somehow brings life far beyond anything that I can, see, that I can do. So life multiplies by design, but, but spiritual life by design multiplies. And there's a number of places we could look at that, but I want to turn to Colossians 1. And I want to look at it and just how Paul, um, how Paul comments on this in the church in, in Colossians. Now, it, if, you're, if you're new, welcome and... Uh, Welcome to K2, and we're glad that you're here. But if you're new, you might not understand the Bible a ton. This, this is like a collection of 66 books or letters that, that the church has, through the centuries, man, this is God's word. And, and we know it's God's word. And, and God's word actually says that this isn't just stuff written by people, that it is, that it is God-inspired, God-breathed truths. This is the word of God. To us, not just a, a creative collection of histories, but this is straight from God through men to us. And, and these letters in the New Testament, which is kind of like the back third of your Bible, um, these letters are, are written a lot of times, like it is today, to, to a church. 
And this, this letter, Colossians, is written to a church in a town of Colossae. And check it out. It's written by the Apostle Paul, which a lot of the other letters in the New Testament are written to. But, but check it out that Paul had never been there before. Okay, Paul didn't even know these people. And he's writing them a letter. It's like, for us, it would be like us, um, us getting a letter from, quite frankly, from somebody in Dave Nelson's life from a long time ago. We're going to find that out. It would be like us getting a letter from somebody who's never been here and doesn't know us, um, but somebody who, who poured into Dave Nelson's life a long time ago. Because six years ago, Dave and Eric and a team of people uh, came here, and they just started sharing the gospel with people. And, and so go to Colossians 1. We're going to start in verse 3, and we're just going to read through together. It says, we, and this is Paul and the people that he's with at the time. He says, we always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, when we pray for you, because we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and of the love you have for all the saints. Uh, The faith and the love that sprang from the hope that is stored up for you in heaven and that you have already heard about the word of truth, the gospel that has come to you. All over the world, all over the world, all over the world, The gospel is bearing fruit and growing, just as it has been doing among you since the day you heard it and understood God's grace in all its truth. You learned it from Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is a faithful minister of Jesus Christ on our behalf, who also told us of your love in the Spirit. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you and asking God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And we pray this in order that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way, bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God. All right, so Paul writes to this church, and he says, we have heard of the great things that God is doing there and that the gospel all over the world is growing. Now, another thing just about the the New Testament is that the New Testament largely follows the work of kind of Paul and directly the offshoots of him. We hear a little bit from Peter, and we hear in Revelation from John, but, but how, many, how many direct people, how many disciples were there with Jesus? There were 12, okay? And Judas betrayed him, and there were 11. They replaced him with Matthias. But Paul came even later, right? And Paul became the, he became the apostle to Who? The Gentiles, which most of us are, the, non, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, the Roman and the Greek world, okay? And so the New Testament largely follows, follows that train of thought. What we, don't, what we don't know is the 11 or 12 other different directions that those guys and the immediate disciples. And Paul, what Paul says is, hey man, the gospel's exploding all over the world, okay? The, do you understand that this isn't all that was happening this is just one strain, if you will. This is just one track of what was happening through the Apostle Paul. But the, the gospel was exploding and has been exploding all over the world in all the directions, right, that people went. Okay, so, so Paul just says this. He says, we have heard, when we pray for you, we, we just celebrate because, verse 4, we, we've heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and the love that you have for the saints. Now, for instance... Are we excited when we hear about other churches growing? Absolutely. Do you know that China, do you know that China is reported to have almost 10% of its population as believers in Jesus Christ? 
almost, and it's all underground. It doesn't look like this out in the open. It's all, so, I mean, there's, there's no exact number, but I mean, like, the gospel is exploding. It ought to light your heart up. Do you know that, that here in Salt Lake, I mean, I, that's, that's five times at least more percentage-wise than we have believers in Jesus Christ here in our place, in China. And it ought to just thrill us, just like this thrills Paul, even though he's never been there. It ought to thrill us. And so what he says is, man, we are excited. For instance, um, uh, do you guys know one community church, you know, Charles Hill? Do you guys know that they're starting today? This is kind of their official launch day. Yeah, and in fact, we're going to pray for them right now. Um, They're going to start at 11 o'clock, and they are in, oh, what's the name of the school? Somebody help me again. Early Light? Early Light Academy out in Daybreak. So if you're out in Daybreak Way and you want to stop in there on the way, they're starting at 11. Uh, Man, please do. And uh, let's pray for them even now because I'm excited about more people hearing the gospel, right? And that's what Paul says. So, Lord, we even come to you right now. And, God, we're just we're thankful that the gospel is growing in other places. And we're, we're, we're praying that the gospel would grow here. And we're praying that the gospel would grow at one community. Thanks for sending that team here. And thanks for all that they're doing. And, and God, we pray that today that you would lift uh, just the truth of the gospel high. That people would hear clearly of your love for them and of the grace of Jesus. As they come, as they worship, and as they hear uh, from Charles and the crew at One Community. And so bless them uh, today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. That's the same kind of relationship that Paul had with this church in Colossae. Because here's what happened is, is that Paul poured into this guy named Epaphras. We don't know tons about him, but we know that Paul found a guy and he said, that guy's interested in the things of God. And and I'm going to pour myself into him. And Paul pours himself into him and then sends him out. Okay? And so Epaphras, this guy, he went to a, a place called Colossae and he started sharing the gospel. Just like you have been sent to the job that you've been sent to. If you're a consultant, like the jobs you get and the places that you go, you're sent there. If you're a nurse, the wing that you're on, the department you're in, God's put you there. Do you ever think about the cul-de-sac you're in or the road you're on and the neighbors that are around you? You've, you've been sent there. You've been put there. And Epaphras went to Colossae. And, and he just went about life. And he just was who he was. And he, he probably had to work. And he shared the gospel. And, and here's the thing about Multiplication. Multiplication, that's complicated for some reason. Multiplication, it starts slow. It's not simple. It starts with with one conversation, doesn't it? It starts with a conversation. It starts with another. And, And eventually, God starts to bring life, and life starts to sprout. And... And if you, if you pour yourself into somebody who's going to be pouring themselves into others, it gets big. And so that's what happens in Colossians. And Paul says this. He says that spiritual life, just naturally, as he writes them, it's meant to grow. And he actually prays for them that they would, that they would know more and they would continue to walk in a reproductive way. Because here's the thing, just like the video said, you and I are made for more than just me. The story is bigger than just me. 
but I'm given a part and I'm given purpose. And it's more than just me. So life is, it's, it's to God. Our lives are to be lived to God for others, right? We live, we live our lives to God to glorify him and, and that gets fleshed out for others around us. It's not just about us, all right? So spirit, uh, life multiplies, spiritual life multiplies and then, and then really, here's, here's the thing. Multiplication is slower than addition at first, it just is. Um, typically, the way you and I live life, I think, I think I live the majority of my life by addition. Okay? I, I go to work, and I, I get pay, and then I spend all of it. Okay? All right? And, um, and, and I add some days, and I, I add a bit of cash, and then I subtract it all. I do addition and subtraction. Okay? And you and I, maybe, maybe you're not, maybe you're this person, I marvel at the people who do life by multiplication, right? How many of you remember Tom Sawyer when you were a kid? How many of you remember uh, just the story of him getting in trouble and having to whitewash the fence, right? Don't we marvel at Tom Sawyer? Don't we just marvel at that? And here we are painting, and we're like, man, I wish I was like that guy. And here we are following. We marvel at the people who multiply, don't we? Who can think enough about life to, to get out in front of it to say, I, I'm not just going to settle for addition. I'm going, to, I'm going to multiply. And we marvel at those people, but we also what? We work for them, right? We work for them, right? We, we buy from them. We, do you understand what I'm saying? We, we want that, but somehow, okay, so, so that's in life, but it, it, it's like the kid who, who drops out of high school, and, and no offense if this is you, but, but um, you, know, you know the kid who's making $10 an hour when you're still in, you know, like 11th grade? And, and is driving a car before everybody else. And, and addition normally looks, right? It, it looks great at the start, right? Because one plus one is two, and one times one is still one, right? And typically, the way we do church and the way we think about faith, we do it in addition, right? We hoist up the rafters. We have a rocking, rocking welcome, Right? You feel like you should pay $10 just for the cover, you know, just to get in for the opening number. And, and we're hoping that more people come. We're hoping that a couple more people are interested and come. But multiplication, like, like God designed, because when, when Jesus was here, I mean, he could have put on a rocking show. He could have just, in fact, every time there got to be multitudes, you know what he did? He broke it up and he left. And he poured into a couple of people, like 12. One of them didn't make it, and he poured into these guys who would, would pour into other people. And multiplication, it just makes so much more sense in the long run. Paul's thrilled that, that, that Epaphras went and, and multiplied into other people who would multiply. We don't know the stories of the people who grew up under Epaphras' ministry in Colossians and, and, and went and did that in other places. But I bet it did.
you could go on and on about the illustrations. You know, in Swaziland, um, if, if I don't know you or if you don't know my story, we, we just moved here about five months ago. Uh, we're living in southern Africa, working with, with young people on HIV-AIDS prevention. And, um, and so in Swaziland, uh, you know, there, there's still this, um, there's still enough people in the rural areas that, that people have a general sense of, of seeing animals reproduce and seeing their crops expand and reproduce. And, and like I said, we're pretty disconnected from that in most of our lifestyles. We don't see that. But one of the things that happens there is in Africa, if you want a, uh, if you want a, a wife, if you're a guy and you want to marry a girl, you have to, in theory, pay a dowry for her, okay? You have to, to pay. And so most dowries are, you know, five to a dozen head of cattle, Okay of cows, all right? And some of you ladies might be offended by that. Others of you uh, might think you're worth more than a dozen cows, but uh, you pay a dowry. And so to young guys who start working, I always try to convince them, like if, like, because a, a cow costs about three to 500 bucks. I said, if you would just buy a cow and let that cow spend some time with a bull, um, all you have to do is let time go on and feed that and, and put, the right, put the right medicines every once in a while into that cow. And, and when it comes time to get married, you're not going to have any problems. In six or seven years, you, you probably have close to 20 cows. All, all you have to do is to get it started with the right mindset that I'm going to, I'm going to be somebody who sees reproduction happen. And I'm going to let God do the multiplying. I'm going to commit myself to allowing life to happen naturally and reproduce. And, and if God wants to multiply it, he can multiply it. Because if we try to force multiplication, it's just not going to happen, right? But if we become committed to what God, just the pattern of life in the Bible, that, that life isn't just for me, it's given so that I can give to others. Alan wasn't supposed to run into those guys just for himself, just for some head knowledge for himself, just for some change and some good for him and Diane. He, he wanted to share it with other people. And, and life isn't just for me. Eternal life isn't just for me. It's for me to, to give to others. You do this in life all the time. If you get a great deal somewhere, what do you do? Tell your friends. This is a good deal, right? Because if you get something good, you're going to tell them. If you've got a great small group, what do you do? People that you want to be with, that you like, you, you say, hey, man, we got a spot. I'd love to have you come, man. We have fun. You know there's about 120 of us here at South Campus who are involved in either Life Together groups or, or Bible studies or stuff. And almost every time I talk to somebody about theirs, do you know what they say? They say it's the most significant thing in my life right now here at the church. Like, I like coming on Sunday, and I love serving, and I love about that, but... I mean, the thing that builds me up the most is my small group. And, and you and I have to get to the place where we, we just understand that, that we want that for more people, that life reproduces itself. It doesn't just look out for my own interests, but it looks out for the interests of others. Live in multiplication out. Do you, uh, do you folks know uh, Sim and Judy Leslie, who just moved to Oregon? How many of you guys know Sim and Judy? They were on our spiritual advisory board, um, uh, Sim was, and uh, just a, a godly, real guy. And one of the things that I love the most about Sim is that, uh, that the words are few, 
And when he speaks, if you're smart anyways, you want to listen. Because what he says is usually pretty good. So a couple weeks before they just left, they, they moved back to, to be closer to uh, family and to be pretty missional with their lives. And, and Sim said this, uh, maybe two meetings before he left with the spiritual advisory board, he, he was talking about our church because here at K2, if you don't know us, our goal is to be here and to be a church, but we're not interested in building some just huge kingdom of K2. That's why, that's why we rent places and that's why we try to, you know, we, we're not really into big, ornate, trying to be as expensive as we can. We really, our goal is to be clear with the gospel to as many people as possible so that more and more people can know Jesus and walk with him and that that would reproduce. In fact, right in who we are, we want to see more and more churches get planted. Some of you right here, some of us right here might plant the next church with K2. All right, our goal isn't to be here and to be comfortable forever, just to build this nice little cocoon for us to hang out in. Our goal is to see more and more and more people come to know Jesus. And so, in fact, the goal really goes all up and down the, the whole mountain range, all up and down this whole valley through the Wasatch Front. And so Sim said this. He said, I believe with my life, with my money and my time, that it is a better investment for me to put my, to put my money and my time into churches that are new and are reaching lost people and who are on focus rather than on an old church that's stuck in its rut and doesn't have an outward focus. And that sounds pretty harsh if, if you've grown up in church because likely if you've grown up in church, most of us grew up in maybe one of those kinds of churches. And, and it feels a little bit harsh. And it's not about an age thing because if you know Sim, Sim is, is older than a lot of you. And so Sim said, I, I think biblically like an investor with God's kingdom. Do you know God in his word talks about serving in his kingdom like investing? He says, if you're smart, you'll put your treasure, your time and your, your money, you'll put it in with me and my work because it can never fade. In fact, it only multiplies. But, but he says, if, if you're not so smart, you're going to live for today and you're going to, you're going to, Try to grow you and yours right here. He says, if you're smart, you'll invest with me and my stuff because it's going to go on for eternity. So Sim says, I think the best way to spend my time is with a multiplying church, with somebody with fresh eyes reaching people who don't know Jesus yet. There's a lot of you who in your small groups have just done an amazing job of having a great time and bringing more people in. In fact, most of our small groups have this problem right now. They're like, we are so full and we're having so much fun and we got to figure out how to, how to multiply or, and it's a really good problem to have. How about with your kids? What does multiplication look like in your life with your children, if you have children? You know, and we've just talked about in investing. In investing, when's it best to multiply? Early or late? Okay. Some of us, whether we did it or not, we all know that, man, if you can save young, right, it pays off in the long haul, right? None of us, not most of us have the wisdom to do that. But if you can save young, it pays off in the long haul, all right? And with your children, when you think about multiplying, what do you want to multiply into your kids? Some of us wait until they're almost adults to give them some of the most important things that we want to give them. 
and we wait so long and we could have multiplied it into them. That's why when kids learn memory verses and they learn scriptures, even though they don't totally grasp all that it means, it's amazing how it can play out in their lives. You ought to invest fun with your kids as well. How many of you just, you know the fun things that you want to invest in your kids and you do it while they're young? You should, absolutely. I love snowboarding. We love it. And we haven't been able to do it for the last six years because we've been living in Africa. And, you know, it's not simple and it is definitely a hassle. It's a hassle kind of thing. Um, But there is nothing better than seeing how fast. uh, It's just like a, I mean, you know, they're risky and I'm not like endorsing them. But you know how like penny stocks, you know how they can multiply. Like if you buy something cheap and then it doubles it. Do you understand what I'm saying? It doubles quickly and some of you have lost thousands on it. Others, you've made thousands on them. That's fine. But with your kids, it's almost like, like overnight stuff doubles, right? It's just amazing. It's like in their sleep. And with your children, you should invest in the fun things you want to do for the rest of your life as a family. You should invest while they're young. Don't be so distracted by work and by your career that you miss all that time to multiply into your kids while they're young. And so we go snowboarding. And my five-year-old, man, the kid rips. And he goes from the top of the mountain down to the bottom. He just, it's fun to watch. And it's nothing that I do. I just set the environment. And spiritual stuff isn't that different. Just set the environment and say, God, I want to reproduce life into somebody. Turn to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2.2 for me. 2 Timothy 2.2, excuse me. Um, Paul's talking to Timothy, and he says, uh, I'm going to read uh, the verse before it as well. 2 Timothy 2.2. 2. Does this kind of make sense to you guys? Tracking with me? Um, and here's the thing is, I, I just, I don't think this way enough. So I, I'm excited about this because I find myself getting into the rut of the mundane. Do you know what I mean? Of not being intentional with my time and my life. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, it is so easy to set, set up the, the relationship, set up my mind that, wow, I need, to, I need to multiply. A lot of us, if we aren't intentional, do you know what we'll do? We'll just say, it's easier to do it myself, right? Most of us have said that. Lots of us have thought it. It's easier to do it myself, okay? It's not easier to do it yourself. Nothing is easier to do yourself, all right? Unless you pursue multiplying, you'll never, you'll never get it done. If, if at home, if at home you, you intentionally work together as a family to take care of your home, right? It goes quickly. It multiplies quickly. If we needed to move these chairs away and one of us did it, it'd be like an hour-long job, right? If all of us did it, it would take like six minutes at most. It just makes sense. If you intentionally multiply, it starts slow because it's, it's not easy, but eventually the outcome is, is huge. Second Timothy 2.2, for some reason I can't, Timothy got cut out of my Bible this morning. I'm just going to read it here. All right. And the things that you have heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable men who will also be qualified to teach others. Okay. Paul just says to Timothy, look for reliable people. Here's what reliable people are. One, they're responding to the gospel. And two, they're the kind of person who isn't in it all for themselves. And 
And if you can find that kind of person, spend your time on them. Spend your time on them because they will then, they will then pour themselves into other people just the way they've been poured into. Right? Nothing's worse at work than pouring yourselves and training yourself into someone who goes and works for another company. Right? There's nothing worse than that. Because ideally what happens is you pour yourself into somebody and then they pour themselves into a couple other people. And what happens? You get to see the fruit of the multiplication. Uh, there's, man, there's so many ways that we're doing this. I want to share a couple with you. Um, there's uh, Dave and Lene uh, fueling. How many of you know Dave and Lene? They started this thing a while ago, uh, three for five. They had a heart. They were exposed to just the need for water. There's like 900 million people in the world who don't have clean water. And so they said, we, we just want to make a difference and provide clean water for as many people as we can. And they created this thing, three for five water. And literally, you give $5 and tell three people just about why you gave $3 or $5. You give $5 and tell three people why you gave $5 with the expectation that obviously they'll give their $5 and tell three people how. In, and the cool thing is you're, you're a little droplet in their scheme. You're, you're a droplet and then you become, as four of you, you become a drop and, and it becomes a wave. And they're, they're like $20,000 into this and it just got started. And, and here's the idea that in... Literally, check this out, in, in 15 waves, just 15 below you is $100 million for clean water. Now, who wouldn't give $5 to that? Not one person here wouldn't. I mean, especially if you've been somewhere where people don't have clean water and they don't have a well and they're drinking out of a sewage ditch. Everybody give $5. If you're in a pinch at like an expensive event, a, water, I mean, a bottle of water costs four fifty, right? And if you're thirsty enough, you'll pay for it. Well, there's people who drink out of sewage ditches. Who wouldn't give $5 to that? Probably nobody in this room. And they just said, we have a heart for this. Let's figure out a way to, to in a reasonable, sensible way, just multiply it. Because if I share it with you and say, hey, I gave five bucks to this, and I think you ought to as well. Um eventually is going to grow. So if you want to give $5 of that, tell me, uh, tell me afterwards and I'll give you the website. Um, hey, just, just in closing, uh, just because I think this is amazing, I just got to share this with you. Um, you know, like, like six years ago, a group of 35 people moved here. And that 35 in about a year's time became 100 people. And that next year, that 100 became like 500 people. So it kind of, it, it got really big right away. And then, and then over the next four years, there's about 1,500 of us here every week at K2. If you're new, this is our south campus. We have a north campus. There's about 500 people a week here, including kids, and about 1,000 a week there. And, and so really, this is kind of what we've been doing. A lot of what we've been doing, some of you guys were, were not going to church because there wasn't a church around here that suited you. Some of you have come to know Christ and been a believer in him. But, but check this out. There are... There are, just within six miles of us, there's 600,000 people living, okay? Six-mile radius of where we're at right now. There's 600,000 people that live within six-mile shot of right here, okay? And, and if, if 50% of us every year, 50% of us every year multiplied into one other person, 
yeah, we talked about Jesus with all the people around us, you know, just casually, nothing. But we just said, hey, this has been really good for me, and, and I would love to tell you about Jesus, and, or I'd love to bring you to my small group, or I'd love to bring you to church. If, if just 50% of us did that, do you know that in, in 10 years, we'd be a group of, of 87,000 people? If just 50% of us once a year saw one more person come to know Jesus. That's 50% every year. That's just, or if you said it this way, if every one of us who was a believer, once every couple years, saw one friend come to know Jesus, we'd be a group of 87,000 people. We wouldn't have enough churches, enough buildings, enough. You couldn't contain it. Do you know if 60% of us did that every year? Do you know that it would double? It would be over 160,000 people? Because it doesn't, with multiplication, every little bit, every one little droplet makes a ginormous effect. And you see, I can't do that. All I can do is when I'm golfing with somebody that I meet, and all I can do is tell them what Christ has done in my life. When, when I'm snowboarding and I'm on the chair and I meet my next-door neighbor, all I can do is say, wow, like you're my next-door neighbor. And... And get to know him. And a couple conversations later, tell her about what Jesus has done for us. All I can do is have a life that reproduces. The band is going to come on up and, and we're going to worship. And, you know, you, you have a seed. And really, at some level, you decide what to do with that seed. You decide what kind of person you're going to be. You decide what you're going to reproduce. Some of us spend our whole lives reproducing all other kinds of things. And never reproduce in our spiritual life. And this morning, I just want to say, God can take your life and multiply it. Don't reproduce into worthless things. Reproduce into, into his things, the things that will last for eternity. All right? Let me pray for us. God, as we talk about this this morning, God, the idea that you could use my life for something greater, because God, I know me. I know me, God. I know the sin and the filth. I know everything that you've saved me from. I know the wickedness in my heart. I know the selfishness and the laziness. and the God, I know all of that. But God, the fact that you not only love me for me, but that my life is about something more. Man, God, that you could use me as a droplet to bring change into people's lives, to bring life. God, where there's no life. God, would you use me like that? God, I don't know how you multiply. I don't know how you sprout from the seed. I don't understand how that happens. I don't understand how my kids were conceived and born. And I just, God, I don't know how multiplication happens. But you do. And God, would you use my life to multiply into others? And God, for, for our small groups, would you use our small groups, God, that they would have they'd have the courage to bring new people in and to give that life and that community to other people. Would you use our small groups, Lord, to, to grow them so that next year that there'd be twice as many people involved? That they might find life and community. God, thanks for all you're doing here. You are doing so many good things here. God, would you increase it? Would you bring the increase? Help us to be faithful and bring the increase. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.